Great British Manufacturing Podcast, brought to you by MTD, MFG and Jefferson. Hello and welcome to the Great British Manufacturing Podcast. On this week's podcast, we will discuss the positive British manufacturing news from the last seven days, as well as introducing this week's special guest, who is Peter Graves, the Managing Director of Industrial Tooling Corporation, who are better known as ITC. But before I start, I want to talk a little bit about Factory Now. The Factory Now initiative has been launched to help British manufacturing boost sales, collaborate and reshore. New members are joining all the time and this week we're delighted to welcome Cutting Blue, a Birmingham-based manufacturer of parts and components, fully electric vehicle and devices, land and water vehicles. Stuart, welcome. Morning, Joe. Looking forward to today. We've got some really big stories. There is. And uh, I want to start on the Rolls-Royce one. They've signed an agreement with uh, Sheffield Ford Masters, two UK manufacturing behemoths. Absolutely. So Sheffield Forge Masters is set to supply forgings for Rolls-Royce's small modular reactor fleet, um, the SMR program as it's called, which has already secured more than £400 million in funding, is expected to create over 40,000 British jobs. And there is a commitment that 80% of the components will be made in the UK. In July, which we covered in the previous podcast, Sheffield Forge Masters was acquired by the MOD, securing the historic manufacturer's future and hundreds of jobs. The MOD has pledged to invest up to £400 million into the firm over the next 10 years, and this will include a new 13,000-tonne forging line and 19 state-of-the-art machining centres. That's balmy, isn't it? 13,000 tonne. <laughs> yeah. I've, been there, I've, been there, I've been there a number of times. I can't wait to go back, I must admit. I can't wait to go and see all this uh, when it's in position. Uh, another up, uh, update, we talked about this before, but Rivian, uh, an American uh, Amazon-backed electric vehicle manufacturer. This rumour won't go away, will it, about coming to the UK? What what can you tell us? Yeah, so um, as I said, we have covered it before, but a few more details now. So the American-owned electric vehicle manufacturer, Rivian, is reportedly in advance talks with the government about building a new £1 billion manufacturing plant in the UK. Ministers have offered to build a new M5 uh, motorway junction, develop training facilities, and reinstate a disused railway line to encourage the California-based firm to site its first European factory um, at the 616-acre gravity campus in Somerset. Um, This is a site that Tesla's um, Elon Musk is rumoured to have visited in in the summer. The proposed gigafactory would be the largest single building in the UK if it's built, potentially creating 10,000 of jobs. However, uh, caveat uh, required here, it is is understood the US car maker, um, backed by firms like Amazon, like you said, and Ford, is also considering two sites within within the EU. So work to be done, but hopefully um, that will happen. Be wonderful, wouldn't it? Wonderful. Um, we've, mentioned, we've mentioned a couple of big names. Yeah, we've mentioned a couple of big names on this podcast already, um, but no bigger than Triumph, and they're celebrating a major milestone. Yeah, the one millionth uh, Triumph motorcycle built since the brand's revival in 1990, a Tiger 900 Rally Pro, was rolled off the production line at the British Marks Global Headquarters in Hinkley in Leicestershire. Despite much of its production taking place overseas, Triumph still employs more than 700 people at the Hinkley site and builds around 5,000 bikes a year in the UK. The very first production Triumph motorcycle went on sale in April 1902, and the manufacturer celebrates its um, 120th anniversary next year. And uh, north of the border, there's a new manufacturing plant to be built in the Scottish Highlands, would you believe? What, uh, can you tell us a little more about this one? Yeah, good news for Scotland. We don't often cover investment in Scotland, unfortunately, but um, there have been some 
positive stories recently. So this £110 million offshore wind tower production facility, the largest of its kind in the UK, set to be built in Scotland, Global Energy Group, the Scottish Energy Services Company, has agreed terms with um, leading offshore wind tower manufacturing specialist, Heiser Wind Group, to build an offshore wind tubular rolling facility at the Port of Nick, which is located in the Scottish Highlands. NIG Offshore um, will be a 38,000 square metre factory capable of rolling steel plate to supply towers to the booming offshore fixed and floating wind industry in the UK and abroad. The huge investment is expected to create 400 direct jobs and well over a thousand roles across the, across the supply chain. Yeah, that's fantastic news for Scotland. Like you say, we don't cover them. Um, you know, there's not as investment as much investment as we'd hope north of the border, but great news indeed. Um, let's take a, a short break as I'd like to introduce this week's guest. Um, it's no other than Peter Graves, who's the managing director of ITC. Peter, welcome. Thank you very much, Joe. It's a, yeah, um, obviously we've known each other for some time, but for the people that don't know you, you can you just tell us about you, you know yourself and also a bit about the company? Yeah, certainly. Well, if, if I start with the, the history of ITC, we we uh, were founded and started in January '91. Was our first operational month. Um, at the time, there were three directors, um, and we set up to be the distributor for an American brand of carbide, which uh, was at the time Metal Removal, which was an independent uh, brand. Um, they were they were already present in the UK through a different company, um, but but were looking for a new distributor. Uh, so the three of us took took the gamble and, and set up uh, to be to be that distributor. Um, our biggest customer at the time was Rolls Royce Aero, and, and they continue to to buy from us to this day. Um, but we were just a distributor at that point. Um, but as time went on, we found that we were getting more and more requests for specials and tools to be modified and and even regrinds. So we were doing uh, subbing that work out to to other people. Um, we went to a Mac show actually um, in, a, in 1997 or six or something, and uh, we ended up on the Walter stand. Um, got talking to, him and we came back to Tamworth, and it's quite weird. We we're in the office, Roy, my partner at the time, and, and myself talking about whether we should really think seriously about machine buying machines of our own. And uh, the Walter salesman happened to knock on the door, literally as we were talking about it. So uh, obviously we invited him in and. In '98, uh, we ended up with our first water machine. We just had a little lock-up, one water machine, a couple of decal hand uh, S11 grinders, um, and then after a few years of doing our own work, we we ended up moving to bigger premises, the ones we're at now, where we could have both our stores and our manufacturing and and our sales office, etc. Um, and we've been here 20 plus years now. Um, and bought the, as you've seen over the years, Joe. We've we've expanded and bought the units next door, so that we now own a much bigger uh, footprint for for the manufacturing side. Um, so now, since since then, we've started with one machine. We've now got over thirty CNC machines. We've got fifteen water machines. We've got eight rollermatics. We've got uh, several anchors. We've got many uh, other ancillary machines, obviously, with rod, rod prep machines and chopping off machines, etc., etc. And we've we've invested in, as you've seen again, new machinery, but not just that, but the infrastructure that goes with it, so like centralised coolant systems and filtration, etc. So we've we've continued to be both a distributor and a manufacturer. I mean, we've got um, well over three million pounds worth of stock here, including a lot of raw material. 
but we are also distributors for several brands of, of cutting tools, including Widia. Um, and then the story with that was that metal removal, as I mentioned, were independent when we started with them, but they got taken over by Kenner Metal, who also owned Widia. Uh, and so the metal removal brand got sort of subsumed into the, into the Widia brand. And, and we still are the UK distributor for that now, but we also sell the indexable products with that. Um, and we're also the agent for uh, Big Kaiser, which is you know the the, the um, boring and tool holding Swiss company. So approximately fifty percent of our products go through our shop floor now, and and fifty percent are from the outside companies. Um, and you know we're we're one of the UK's biggest, if not the biggest, solid carbide manufacturing company. And I'm really proud of that, that we started off with, you know, with, with just one machine. And now we've, we've got, as I said, over 30 and, and lots of people employed on the shop floor. As regards myself personally, I, I was uh, a Rolls-Royce apprentice at Leavesden down at, uh, at Watford, which is now where the Harry Potter Studios is. Um, I did an apprenticeship there, ended up, uh, went through the drawing office and ended up as a, as a, a in the purchasing department. And was doing special to product cutting tools and and jigs and fixtures that sort of thing. And through that, I got to know several reps, obviously. And I and I thought to myself, I'm sure I could I could do that. <laughs> so eventually, I did leave and and as I say, ended up selling cutting tools. But I actually left school at 16, so I've got no degree or or uh, or senior qualifications academically. Although obviously, I went to apprenticeship and did HNC and and whatever. But it's all it's all uh, application-based stuff, really. So that's where we are. And, and you know, we've we obviously had a, a fairly tough period for the last couple of years, but, but we're still here, we're doing well, and things are definitely picking up now. And morning, Pete. Thanks for joining us. And fascinating to hear about your background and the, uh, the history of ITC as well. You're obviously very, very passionate about UK manufacturing. So how important is, is it to you? And how, how important is it for ITC to manufacture in the UK? Well, it... it from a, a yeah, passionately is the right word, really. I mean, we just, it, it, I've always felt the same. And it, from when I was probably 20 odd, it just seems that the, the government policy had no interest, and st- still to an extent doesn't have any interest in, in, in the manufacturing industry. And it's just, um, I've always felt we can't just live on supermarkets and, and banks, you know, we need to be making stuff. Um, and it was, it, it's such a great feeling to be actually manufacturing and, and and seeing, you know, you start off with a bit of carbide rod, you end up with a, a very complicated special tool or even standards. But it's from, you know, personally, we just need to be more more investment in manufacturing in this country, definitely. And do you think that's changed at all, you know, in, in recent years? Um, do you think there has been more support for UK manufacturing or, you know, the status quo remains really? They, they pay it lip service, don't they? But I mean, the only thing I can say is just in the last couple of years, they've obviously increased the tax relief on investment, which, which is a, an incentive to do more. But they generally, well, if you look at the current government, I'm afraid I don't, don't really have a lot of faith that they're that particularly interested. As I say, they, they pay it lip service when, when it suits. But it's, I suppose, <laughs> without getting too cynical, this it, it, it is what politicians tend to do. You know, if it's, if it's a flavour of the month, then they'll... Then I talk about it and pretend that they're really interested in it. I don't really think there's, there's a great passion 
for British manufacturing within government, to be honest. But personally, as I say, I, I'm really proud and, and pleased that we can do it. Um, and it's been so... One thing that's been really fascinating through through the COVID era is that we've taken on apprentices over the years. You know, we've, we've got currently six apprentices, um, but we've got several people on the shop floor who are ex-apprentices. And, and so far, nobody has gone through our apprenticeship as, as then left. But when, when we had, the, the, obviously, March last year and, and everything came to a virtual stop um we we along with everybody else had to look at our staffing levels and and we asked for uh anybody was interested in voluntary redundancy and, and the interesting thing was on the shop floor we had five of the older guys put their hands up um a couple of them said you know that they did it because they really believed that the young kids should have a chance which was which was nice to hear so so five five guys did leave um, which meant that the apprentices then could step up into their into their shoes, and and it, <laughs> it it reduced the average age of our shop floor by about half overnight. It, I went down; it was like a youth club, when it, <laughs> it felt like. Um, but it's great because it's you know we, we've been really lucky. All our apprentices have been absolutely fantastic. Um, as I said, hey, several of them have now come through and finished their apprenticeships and, and are working the CNCs and and doing a really good job. And it's been great to see that, and to be able to give that opportunity to to. Uh, to young people because they often get a bad press but you know in our experience all the guys we've had have been excellent no absolutely and um over the course of this year we, we've covered an awful lot of reassuring stories um, which has been great to report on how important is it for people to buy british to support local manufacturers and um, and also why people should buy british as well in terms of the economic impact and um obviously the balance of trade and everything go goes with that but what are your thoughts on that, Pete? Yeah, I mean, there, have, there has been talk of reshoring, and and, and it has been happening. Um, it, it's, I, I just think it's, it's very important. Well, for for the economy, for people's jobs, and as I say, I just can't can't see that we can have an economy that's just based on banking and and B and Q and etc. You know, it's it's really important that we are manufacturing, adding value, uh, and and exporting products around the world, and, and we have a fantastic reputation, don't we, for for innovation and for quality and, and and engineering excellence. I think sometimes customers in in all in all, all sorts of customers, including you know domestic retail, etc., just just look at the price and ignore everything else. Um, and, we, and we have you know we do export a fair bit of stuff, and and the people who who are buying our, our products abroad, they want they actually want it to say made in England or made in Britain on it. Uh, you know we have actually had to put that on some of our labels because it carries a lot of weight abroad. As I say, I, I I always try and if I if I've got the opportunity, I'll buy something British, uh, and and I think it's just common sense, and I, I would hope that most people would would do that. Having said that, of course, we all look at pricing, and that's that's a difficult product, uh, a different subject sometimes, because as we all know, uh, Far Eastern products come in sometimes a lot cheaper than we can possibly make them, but on the whole. We, you know, we can be competitive, but more than anything, we've just got a very good product line. We're very, the quality is very good. And the other thing, of course, is that we can react very quickly. You, you, if you're making something abroad, especially now with the transport problems, you can be waiting weeks or months for it. We we can and often do, you know, have a quotation request in the morning, quote it in the afternoon, and make it the next day. And and you know, when when uh, 
supply lines are being shortened all the time. That's really important. I know our customers need they need to get the job out within a couple of days or a couple of weeks at maximum. We can react to that. And that's always been our forte, really. It's really been our advantage that we can do things so quickly. We've got, we've got a huge stock of product on the shelf here, but we could also modify or make a, even make a complete special, you know, virtually overnight. Absolutely. And uh, final question for me, uh, going back to ITC, would you mind just giving us an overview of some of the projects you're currently working on? Yeah, well, yes, we, we've, we're actually, we've got a new, a new catalogue coming out in January last year because of the, the, the situation. We, we left those things as they were, so we didn't have any new product in. But we've been working on um, trachoidal milling products for, for some years now, and we have some very good products within our, within our portfolio for, uh, for, for that type of machining. Um, but we've also been working on uh, adding chip breakers or, or chip splitters, as some people call them, to, to those products. So we have four, five, and six fluted coated end mills with various radiuses and various lengths, our 5021314 series of tools uh, with Cupro coating, so they're very hard materials. And, and we stock all those with massive uh, range of radiuses. But also now we're starting to put them on the shelf and, and the new catalogue will have tools with chip breakers on so that if you're working on particularly stringy materials, then you can, the problem can be that the chips just get clogged up and you end up recutting. So we're, we're making the chips smaller so they can be flushed out and, and save damage to the tool, really. So that's our, that's our focus at the moment, is, is, um, is new trachoidal milling tools uh, for the new catalogue, as I say, which will be out in January. Yeah, interesting. It, obviously, I've been to your facility a number of times in your products on our travels over the recent years. They've uh, stood the test of time. But as important as UK manufacturing is for ITC, You've, you've mentioned, you know, briefly at the beginning of this podcast, you've got some um, agencies from overseas. Um, why is it important to use um, products from overseas as part of your portfolio? Well, you can never be the best at everything, can you? You know, for start, if you look at Widia, they, they, although we started with their solid carbide products, and, and it was when we started, it was Hanita, uh, which again got bought by Kenametal. They have a, a fantastic range of tools, um, and, and it's, it gives us, it fills in the gaps between what we make. So it just means we cover every single base. And, and the, the indexable product, obviously, is something which we, we didn't have any involvement with at all. Um, we, we also, uh, I mean, I haven't mentioned it, but we also um, sell the Bass range of taps in the UK as well. Um, again, they're just, we do do some taps, but Bass are tapping experts. That's that's their forte. And, and there are, so there are products in there which we, we obviously can't supply or make and, and Whittier also can't. So it's just important to have these ranges that fill in all the gaps so you can basically offer a full portfolio to, to a customer when they're whatever machining problem they've got. If we move on to the big Kaiser, um, you know, in, in our view, and I think I've said this to you before, when, when we first, they approached us uh, a few years, you know, well, probably six or seven years ago now because they were looking for a new agent. They'd, they'd heard what a good job we were doing for Whittier and for ourselves and, and, and how good our salesmen are, which, you know, we haven't touched on, but our, our, our sales force and our technical for, uh, engineers are absolutely fantastic applications, guys, so they can go in, see a problem, see a, see a, 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 a product and, and give really good advice on how to machine it to the, to, in the most efficient way. 
know, going back to the Kaiser, when we was when we first spoke to them, I, I was I was a bit dubious because it is has a reputation of being so expensive and, and there's no doubt it's not the cheapest by any means. But the quality of it is so good that I've been really pleasantly surprised how how, how well it's done since we've taken it on. Um, and, and you know, we we've done the, the, the big tool holders are absolutely second to none. But the the, the boring, we've we now put more of an emphasis on trying to uh, develop the boring side of it. And again, they, they've got some fantastically innovative uh, products. So it's just, we, we see ourselves as a company at being at the sort of top end of the of the tooling market, if you like. We're not we're not getting down down and dirty really. Um, and and big cars and really fit into that for us. You know, they give us that 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 level of quality which which customers expect us to have. Um, and you know, I'd rather there's a place for for cheap tools, obviously, but but we'd rather be at the solution finding end of the market. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Uh, just a final one from me. Um, what's next? Why do you see? You know, what your ambitions, your aspirations? Yeah, what's coming next? Well, the next thing is to continue to recover from the last couple of years, which is happening, you know, slowly but surely, and, that, and that's reassuring. We will continue to to invest in machinery. We've actually had a, a new Rollomatic machine this year, which was delayed for a year due to the COVID thing. We're waiting for delivery of. Uh, a, a robot loader and etcher for one of our our latest helicheck machine, which we bought pre-prepped, so that when we wanted to, we could add that on. So that's that, again, that's been delayed because they can't actually get. I think the microchips are the problem, the, the perennial problem with that. Um, but so you know, we just want to continue to expand. We've got you know, we've got room for more machines, and I can and, you know, we'll carry on investing as as time goes on. Um, and potentially have a, a, a broader portfolio. You know, we're always looking out for, for unique products which will fit in well with us, with our with our uh, our market. So it's just more of the same, really, Joe. It sounds a bit boring, but we just carry on investing and and, and growing. Well, if you do, if you're doing good, you know, why change it? I suppose. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's uh, great to catch up, and we'll, we'll we'll catch up soon. Right. Thanks very much, Joe. Thanks, Stuart. So, Stuart, a great insight into a well-known UK manufacturer of cutting tools. Absolutely fascinating interview, and uh, I love Peter's passion for British manufacturing. It's great, isn't it? And uh, as we always say at this point in the podcast, um, please do go and download the MTD MFG app. Um, you'll get exclusive content, and you know the, the, the news that we put out comes first on the app, so please do go and download it. Um, equally, go to mtdmfg.com. Unfortunately, we don't get time to cover all the news on this uh, weekly podcast. So please go and visit mtdmfg.com to catch up with all the latest news. And finally, if you'd like to appear on this podcast, please drop us an email at podcast at mtdmfg.com. Now, Stuart, back on with the news. MagTech have opened a new facility in Rotherham. There's a lot going on in Rotherham. Certainly is. The Mayor of South Yorkshire, Dan Jarvis, has officially opened MagTech's new facility for the design, manufacture, and installation of drive systems for electric and hybrid vehicles. MagTech is creating at least 50 new um, engineering and support function jobs to help meet the growing demand for its world-leading drive systems. Private owned company is targeting sales of £30 million next year, more than double the turnover of um, this year. 
currently employs 145 people at the 65,000 square foot facility. So hopefully that will uh, increase beyond the 200 in, in the, over the next few months. I'm sure it will. REE Automotive have announced plans for a new factory in the Midlands. Uh, what can you tell us about REE? Yeah, the Israeli startup is building a factory in the UK to complement its, de- its development centre in Warwickshire. The company uh, does a new facility, a launch integration centre that will serve as a pilot factory for the production of these innovative corners, which bundle suspension wheel and electric drivetrain into a single package to free up space in electric commercial vehicles. The plant will have the capacity to assemble 200,000 corners when it comes fully on steam. Has, Re hasn't actually said where the facility will be, only that it will be in the Midlands. Uh, and I want to finish on a, another British powerhouse, Renishaw. Uh, it's set to recruit another, uh, you know, a record number of trainees. And if I'm not mistaken, this happened not long ago. I know time flies. Maybe a couple of years ago, they it was another record. So I guess they'll beat it this time. Yeah, their commitment to, to, to STEM and STEM engagement is extraordinary. It has been, like you say, for a number of years. So they're going to recruit a record number of trainees next year with 96 graduates and 80 apprentices set to be recruited across its sites in South Wales and, and Gloucestershire. The firm is also offering over 100 placement opportunities, a mix of industrial and some placements. Successful applicants for Renishaw's highly regarded um, graduate and apprenticeship schemes will receive on-the-job experience as well as tailored programs and, and, and training to ensure they receive the best possible learning experience. Anybody listening, if you are interested, please register at www.renishaw.com forward slash careers. Yeah, and I do. I've been to all their facilities, and if you're looking to get into manufacturing, I do urge you to uh, to visit that, that that website. It's an incredible place, and it's an incredible business. But Stuart, that's all we got time for this week. Uh, big thank you to you, Stuart. Big thanks to the managing director of ITC, Peter Graves. But as always, the biggest thank you goes out to you at home for listening. We'll see you next week. Great British Manufacturing Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter using at MTDMFG and at Jefferson underscore MFG.